Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Don, what's going on? Oh, uh, a decent amount of stuff this week. So we put into, I guess, quasi-production um, the project you and I are working on, which is essentially a um, SMS message consolidation uh, system um, that that works real well for construction specialties. We've been using it since Monday, and it has... <laughs> I, I no longer have to tell everybody what one of our technicians in the field texted to me hmm. um, or, or forgot that somebody texted something to me that nobody else knew, yeah. um, which was really the, the issue. Um, and it, they text us pictures and now it goes to one central place. So it's, it's been a huge, huge improvement in workflow. Um, and then uh, a, a bit of a sad note this week, I, I officiate high school football and this has been flag football season. And uh, just we, I did eight games over the past since we talked last and uh, last night was the last game for the regular season. So all done there. Um, so a bit of a sad, sad note there, but uh, spring football for tackle. Um, is starting up shortly, so we'll be doing some scrimmages and, and jamborees and that sort of thing. So, I find it interesting that the you like it's always interesting to see the user side of a beta launch of a product because personally, behind the scenes on that code, there's a whole lot that needs to change um, to make oh, yeah. me to make me happy about it. But the to see that your team is using it and liking the results is really all that matters. And I'm always trying to tell folks that are new that, yeah, there's the whole engineering side of you that wants the code and the process to be rigid and perfect. But at the end of the day, what matters is, does this thing have utility and are people able to get work done with it and solve problems with it? So, it's been terrific on my side of just seeing people use the code and use the application we put together to get something done. So that's oh, yeah. been cool. Um, on the other note, I like I'm a fan and I don't like officials at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, Who does? So, Who does? <laughs> but anyway, um, no, no, nobody, nobody likes officials, but the game's, <laughs> until we do something that they want us to do. Um, and even then they don't necessarily like us, but <laughs> the games, the games don't really go on without us there. So. This is really the only reason why AI is going to move ahead is the replacement of officials with the robots. That's my whole stance. on. Yep. It. Yep. Uh, I, it, yep. I welcome the day when a coach can yell. <laughs> at a robot. So for me, again, the, watching the code that we launched go out there um, has been part of my week. <clears throat> and then the, I guess the other parts have been finally pushing out to, um, in a test mode, um, a new feature for a client and then some fixes to basically help their employees get a few repetitive um, multi-click tasks and consolidating it into one. And that's actually always feels good when you can get those little pieces done because you know 
that someone was going through a headache of a user interface and now they can just click and move ahead. And that's always feels pretty good. Um, this week, I want to talk about networking. <clears throat> um, okay. We, I, I've had a number, a couple of students um, from my past teaching reach out to me um, about what should they be doing to find jobs. But also, you and I were part of a Twitter feed, thread, discussion, um, people yelling at each other. I'm not sure what it really you call it these <laughs> days. But it was a guy named Chad Fowler. He is well followed on Twitter. And he put out a call for what do people that are, you know, what do young CTOs or technical managers, what are the resources are they using to learn about the field, about the job? And really the majority of things he got back were um, related to networking. And I think when people reach out to me, when my students reach out, reach out to me, the first thing I ask them is, so who, what meetups are you going to? Who are you talking to? <clears throat> and I happen to be the first person they reach out to. But I guess my first question to you is, how important do you think networking is? And why do you feel that way? Why is networking important? Um, and that's kind of the first section of what I want to talk about. Why is networking what I recommend to people the first time they start asking, how do I get ahead? How do I learn about this career kind of thing? Right. Um, th this is a tough one because uh, we, we've talked about introvert, extrovert in the past, and and, and I'm a bit, bit of an introvert. Um, and, and forcing yourself out there um, into meetups with strange people um, is a bit taxing. Um, but the benefit you gain is not only the knowledge of whatever meetup you, you go to, um, but those connections. Um, yeah. and I'll, I'll tell a, a little personal story. There was a, um, there was a coding dojo meetup that we had here in Orlando for a while. And one of the guys running it was a guy I knew peripherally, um, hadn't really sat down, really talked to him in depth about a lot of stuff, but peripherally, but I'd go once a month to this coding dojo just to learn a little bit about, uh, about TDD, uh, test driven development. Cause that's what they, they, they practiced at that mm -hmm. dojo. Um, and so after a year of doing that and that, that do that meetup went away. But in the meantime, he and I had been talking about what I do and, and that I come to this to learn. And, and, but really, I'm, I'm more of a project manager, executive type. Um, six months after that meetup went away, he called me on the phone one day. He said, listen, I've got this job um, for a, a person. I, I'm, I'm doing the, all the technical leadership, but I've got to have somebody come in and coordinate all the people working here because I can't coordinate them and give them technical advice at the same time. Would you be interested in coming in and, and, um, and leading them? Yeah. Um, 
managing the resources. So um, that turned into a job two months later um, at a time when the, the position I had was good, um, but not, not um, stretching me at all. It was, yeah. it was fairly simple project management um, and it was, it wasn't really stretching me at all. So this allowed me an opportunity to grow as well as, um, as well as work with some new people. So that, that is a, that is a very concrete example of where going to a meetup led to a position that led to personal growth. And that right there is the, is a benefit of it. In addition to the things you can learn, um, it, a benefit can be job leads, opportunity leads. Yep. Um, so that, that's where I sit on that. <clears throat> well, the first thing you started with was, and this is the way I feel. So it's not like, um, I, I'm very much in the same boat as you in the terms of going out and meeting strangers is not what I consider the most fun thing in my course of work and career. Like it just doesn't thrill me to go and talk to a bunch of brand new people all the time. Right. But I don't, I think there's this miss this. There's a, an idea that you have to get out in the world and meet people face to face the first time to get introduced to them. And so later on, I want to bring this up again later on. And I just want to bring it up now because you just said it of, you don't have to go to a room full of strangers just to go to a meetup. There are ways to ease yourself into the process offline and find yourself with some friends, allies in the room when you get there. So we'll talk about that later. The first thing on my list of why is lead generation. So you hit it right on the first item that I wanted to talk about was by meeting more people, by having additional people that you know, that you're familiar with, that you talk to, they get to know you, you get to know them on all sorts of levels. Lead generation is by far the biggest benefit, I think, to networking. You yeah. will get you'll get random people that pitch you ideas that say, I'm looking for someone like such and such that through the grapevine find you because of other people. It's like this, the, the huge web, the social graph that they always keep talking about in social media. Having a network of people that may not be your best friends, but are people that you are familiar with, is you start to get leads fi finding you based on the fact that people have this weird, loose connection and it starts to be, get put together. So that's one reason. The second reason for networking, finding out other people's mistakes and then not following those mistakes. I sure. by far have, when I either read blog posts online, that is a network of writers, people that are in the field that are writing about their experiences. If I go to meetups and people talk about things that they've messed up, if I talk to people amongst my network online or in person, and they talk about, oh, I tried that, it bombed out, don't do that. They had, That person has saved me a ton of time because in my network, this, this bit of knowledge went around about 
Oops, stub my toe, don't stub yours. The next one is personal references. Um, by far, having someone vouch for you is a step in the door beyond any kind of filtering process for getting a new job. In terms of moving up the ladder in a company, same thing. If your network is strong within the company you're in, if, you have a, if you're part of a big company, your chances of getting promoted and moving up helps immensely. For sure. In terms of, in terms of managing people, a strong network gives you instant credibility once, once you move up. It helps. Now, it does. you have to have a positive network in that case, but people that move up the ladder into management positions that know everyone have a much easier time than people that have to walk in cold and take over a spot. So that network means a lot for you, whether you're inside of a company or trying to find a gig elsewhere. Um, the other side is the comfort of knowing people. The, the like Being able to, to have this network where you don't have to prove yourself on every level of just can you talk. Having a network that people will give you network credit just because you're part of a group that people, other people are familiar with you. And it becomes, it brings down those barriers to assimilating to a group or being part and being effective in a group. And that network, like having a network of people that you are associated with, assists with that tremendously. Now, the, the, the one caveat that we could talk about for a whole episode is the idea of privilege and how networks can be exclusive and oh, yeah. priv- and then privilege kicks in. And there's no doubt, I don't wanna skip over this or gloss over this, fa- this issue because there is plenty of evidence that there is privilege, especially against male Caucasian, folks, just like you and I, that groups that are exclusive, um, networks that are exclusive have a privilege over others. And I just, I want to say that, yeah, it is a problem and it is not something like we're, we're, we are not going to try to tell you that you need to bomb those groups or that breaking into that group is the key to everything. But it, it like they exist. And so when people are confused over what is privilege, it's like a lot of it has to do with the fact that certain classes of folks network exclusively and those classes have advantage. And so being able to network with more and different people is beneficial for the entire community if once those lines start to fade. So agreed. And, and, and I do think that's where your, your initial point of um, remote communities or online communities um, to sometimes, not always, um, can, can hide a little bit of that privilege. Um, yeah. Now, this comes on the heels of the discussion of Stack Exchange, but that's, that's its own yeah. um, topic. Um, so that, that's online communities is one way to, to overcome that. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. Uh, that, that's certainly a, a part of it. So, um, it's, it's hard for us to speak 
uh, to the struggles of those that, that aren't in the same position we are. But we know they're there. I mean, that's yeah. it's truthfully there. <clears throat> so going into the different types of networking, I kind of I separate them into offline and online. And there's plenty of venues that do both as part of their what their networks or what their groups do, like share. But I first want to talk about the offline part. And the for me, starting out in Chicago, and there's no doubt that the bigger the city, the more opportunity you have for offline networking. Now, when I was in South Georgia, my mom and her small business was part of a meetup group that met for breakfast once a week. And they had about 10 to 15 people of different industries. And all they would do is share leads and share what they were doing in their business. And every once in a while, my mom would say, you know, I I know I need this service. And this person, I met them at a networking event two years ago. We should call them. And... I remember thinking like, wow, that was a slow burning lead, <clears throat> but it was came out of that networking group. So that's a small town with like 20,000 people at, or 30,000 people or so. It wasn't a big town, but there are small town meetups that are available. In the big city, in a bigger location, I mean, it's amazing to me the number of people that have not gone to meetups.com and found the real, different groups available and gone to a meetup event. And I can only tell people, like I, what I would tell folks for at the meetups is that do not, at the very beginning, do not judge a meetup by its topic. Meaning you may not care about what they're going to talk about, but if your goal is to network, it should be more about One, I get to set foot into an office space I've never been in before. I get to meet other people in a setting that's geared towards meeting other people. And I won't have to talk to people the whole time because somebody's going to be talking. And if I need to take a break or leave, I I will be afforded the opportunity to stay silent, catch my breath, and maybe leave if I have to. So... I always say that going to meetups is the best in-person way to warm up the, I guess, introverted nature of getting out and meeting people. I'm not sure what your take on meetups is, though, and that, and, and of just cold going to meetups in the first place. No, I, I, I do think it, it's, I do think it's hard, um, and and. And I've experienced it. I, one, one quote hack you can put on it. Um, if you have a friend, a significant other, someone to take with you, um, they may not care a whit about the topic. Um, if, if, if it's a technical topic and whoever you're bringing with you, isn't, uh, isn't all that technical. It can be a favor. It can be a, Hey, I'd like to go to this to meet some people to, 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 to find out who else in, in this knowledge space uh, is doing this, but I'm having trouble motivating myself to go. Cause I, 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 I just, I'm afraid it's not the right word. I'm uncomfortable um, in that situation doing it by myself. Would you come with me? 
It's okay um, to take a wing person with you to a tech meeting. For sure. It's totally cool. For sure. Yeah. Um, and my wife came with me to a couple ones early on. Um, a little bit of that and a little bit of uh, some of the people we, we were meeting were, were different walks of life and, and different interests. And I thought that they might, um, she might find them interesting as well. So um, that, that's certainly a way to combat that. Um, but I, I do think it, it, it absolutely helps to, to go. Um, part two of that whole story I gave earlier about the coding dojo is that two years later, I was offered an even larger opportunity by someone in a different department at that company I joined um, yeah. in a different company. So it, it, it's one of those multiplier effects. Um, oh, yeah. So it, it's if you can get out there and just make yourself known and, and in a friendly way, not it doesn't even have to be in a salesy way. It's very much of a friendly way. Hey, I'm a decent person. Here's what I know. You're going to get noticed. Um, I think it's fair to say that within those meetup groups, there are people who aren't uh, aren't necessarily friendly or amenable to and that sort of thing. And that's noticeable too. Yeah. So if you cast yourself as, as more of that, that friendly or you don't even have to be friendly, but not jerkish, um, then that's going to get noticed. And, and people there, there are going to be more extroverts that will come talk to you and, and see what you're up to. So um, it, it, sometimes it's just a matter of being there is, is the way I'll say it. What I, the, the thing I want to stress, and I kind of mentioned this before was you don't have to stay for the whole meetup. Like right. nobody's really paying attention to you. It may feel like someone's watching you when you're there. That's an introverted um, feeling about going into public places. But uh, truth is, if you show up and decide you have to leave, no one should make no one should make you feel bad. No one should. No one. I can't think of a time when someone said, well, "Why aren't you staying for the whole thing?" If I decide that this is meetup, the group isn't right. I don't feel good talking to people. I don't like the subject matter. I just choose to leave. And yeah. you're an adult. No, Nobody's going to keep you there. And in a way, I go to more meetups because I am like, yeah, I'm going to test and see if this is worth my time. And I find that my time is pretty valuable to me these days. So if I go and I'm like, this is either not a well-run meetup or the subject matter isn't great, or I actually... There's nothing, there's not a new networking need here. I'll just say, okay, I'm going to go use my time differently. And I leave myself that out. And so what may have been an hour and a half shrunk down to a half hour. And I'm like, okay, not a big waste of time. But I, I mean, I don't do that that often. I usually find most meetups of some value, but I just, I don't ever put pressure on myself that I must sit through an entire meetup, even if I don't feel like this is worth it. Um, half, right. Like at the beginning. And I, um, I think I've, I've had a couple meetups where the speakers are experienced enough and knowledgeable enough about group dynamic to say exactly that, to say, mm -hmm. Hey, if at some point you need to 
you 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 want to move move on and and don't want to stick around for the whole talk, or you need to go get some water, you need to go to the bathroom, or it's important for you to practice self care. So yeah. I, I'm not up here going to judge at all if somebody leaves in the middle of the 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 talk. It's certainly up to you all to to take care of yourself. So the yeah. person who did that was one of the more you know somebody who's been at a lot of meetups and spoken and run a lot of meetups. So he knew group dynamics and that you kind of have to give explicit permission um, for people to feel comfortable with it. Yep. Um, so some other things I wanted to talk about for the offline part, and I'll run through the topics. So I don't know if we'll cover all of them. Um, conferences are another mechanism. Um, startup weekends or hackathons are another mechanism, which I know you have a story on, and then continuing education and classes. So I want to go back to conferences because you and I met online through a message board or something. I can't remember what sparked our meeting. Oh, gracious. I, I don't remember either. Um, it, yes, it obviously was online, but uh, it, it must have been a message board somewhere or, a refer or an email referral. It could have been an email referral. But, but after, within a certain amount of time, you came into Chicago for a conference. Right. And that was when we really hung out the first time. Right. And conferences for me, I used to go th to them for all the, the speakers and the classes and stuff. But I feel like now conferences are like you can watch stuff online. There's so much to watch online, tutorial wise, video wise, keynotes are put up there. Like I find the conference sessions themselves to be of less lower value than the ability to meet people from different areas of the country or the world and talk to them. And when I, if I can look at every conference I've attended in the last decade or two, Almost every one of them I judge based on, I didn't really meet anybody at that thing. That was worthless versus, wow, man, I came away with three or four relationships that I still keep in touch with those folks. And so when it comes to conferences, if you can go to a conference that's local where you don't have to pay for a flight and hotel, I would really stress finding out about the networking sides of the conference and and attend the conference, not based on the teaching, but based on the opportunity to meet and talk to people um, by mechanisms at the conferences. I mean, the whole idea of a conference is to people to conference with each other, to communicate with each other. And so I, I quit looking at conferences for the speakers and started looking at them for what opportunities do they give me to meet and talk to other people? Yeah, I'm not sure I, uh, how, how you do it. A well-worn adage is that the learning at conferences is not done in the sessions. It's done in the hallways. Yeah. Um, and, and that is that is absolutely true. Um, it, it, before the dojo um, story, there was even the story of, of uh, Florida, Florida Drupal Camp. Um, and, and I could talk forever about Florida Drupal Camp because I'm so invested in it. But we just celebrate our 10th year at Florida Drupal Camp. And I was there for the first one. Um, I've been there for all 10. And 10 years ago, I had been to 
two, maybe three Drupal meetups. Um, and those were really the first meetups I had ever engaged in. And the group was, was a, a, a friendly group and, and they were, they were teaching things that I needed in that moment to learn. Um, so, so that, that certainly played a part in it. Um, but yeah, it, those camps we gave were just so, um, it moved from the first one being, I'm here, I'm watching a couple sessions to, um, the next year I was responsible for, I was responsible for starting to, to select sessions, um, to where the last five years I've been the one running the books for it. Um, Mm -hmm. so it, it, and, and it's a, it's a, it's, it's led to some good friendships. Um, but yeah, it, the conferences are about the people and the conversations in the hallway as much as they are about the sessions. Sometimes you're going to pick up some things in sessions. Um, but do not let a session get in the way of meeting people, talking to people. Um, one of the jobs I took was from a, uh, was from an initial meeting at a DrupalCon. Um, mm-hmm. a national conference. So um, certainly a case of uh, a conference leading to more opportunity. I also um, remember that we both volunteered for the Chicago conference. And I found that being a check-in person was amazing. I met so many people by helping sure. them check in. And I didn't really think about, like, I just volunteered. I was helping, you know, get this conference going and there's thousands of people. And I was like, whoa, I just met more people in this session than I probably met in one day in my life. And I still see those folks online. And I don't know that like some of them I have kept in touch with a couple. And it does not, you know, you don't have to walk away with this pile of business cards to feel effective with right. networking. It's, it's about getting to know people, getting to know the people in your network your ability to reach out to people for help and talk to people online is kind of primed by the fact that you have engaged with them at some point in some way. And so I felt like that when I was in the Drupal community, I really met a ton of the speakers because I helped them get in like, where do they need to go? Where's their hotel? That kind of thing. It was a terrific intro to that community for me. I do think, I think you've picked up on, on a hack we should have talked about. And that is, um, that is absolutely that volunteering does help with that whole introvert part too. Um, because it, it gives you a job to do. Um, and sometimes that's all that, that people need in order to break through, um, that, that their, their reservedness is, I, this is a job I'm doing because I volunteered. Therefore, I have to talk to these people, um, and that 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 can be a, a little hack to use that that people can determine if that works for them or not. Um, yep. Absolutely, absolutely, a, a way to do it. So, speaking of hacks, you participated in a hackathon. I have never, um, I've never done that before. Um, I've always kind of felt like, oh, it's just a bunch of people wanting to use devs for free. But you've done it effective, like effectively. Can you speak about your experience with hackathons? So this, uh, so this was a startup weekend, um, mm-hmm. 
And it was specifically a startup weekend focused on education. Um, and was it the first one I'd been to? I'm trying to remember. I believe it was the first startup weekend I'd been to. And I knew I was going there not so much as a programmer per se, because at the end of the day, you drop me in a room with with 50 developers. I'm going to be in that bottom 10% probably as far as, <laughs> yeah. as far as being able to crank stuff out. Cause I don't crank, I don't crank code out every day. Um, yeah. but I figured I'll show up, see if there's a, a, a niche I can fill, see if there's something I can do. And if not, I'll, I'll pick up on, on maybe some cool things. So, um, went to the startup weekend weekend, uh, the, the, the format is people come with ideas, they pitch their ideas, they try and get people to join their teams. And then for the next, um, 60 hours or so you work on developing that into an actual, uh, idea, um, a business. Yeah. You're not going to actually turn around after that weekend and actually go and be able to start selling things. I guess sometimes that does happen, but usually it's more about the business development, the 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 what are, the, the the refinement of the idea. Yeah. It, what yeah. what does it take to make this a business? Um, and really, that I, I ended up on the team that eventually became Aspire Edu. Um, yep. Met with met with the CEO uh, and and my co-founder, and we had some other people in the room as well, and while there were developers in the room doing developer-y stuff, um, what I was doing was I was trying to research some of the APIs. Um, in addition to using my experience at IBM uh, presenting, because IBM is nothing but a presentation company, um, you use my, my experience presenting to help the CEO work through the pitch. Yeah. And, 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 and coach her on how to go through it just because I had all that experience. Um, so after the weekend went away about a week later, we started to have discussions about, Hey, we, we actually think we have something here. And here we are, uh, almost six years later, um, multi-million dollar revenue company. So it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and that, so I think, again, and I would say, I would say my experience volunteering at the Florida Drupal camps and my experience at exposing myself to enough meetups gave me the confidence to go to that and express what I could do. Yeah. And in a way, like, I think that what folks can get from a hackathon or a um, startup weekend type of arrangement is that you're not going to the whole idea is that you don't go and stand in the corner the idea is that you are gambling your time to see if you can get paired with the right group of people for something to click doesn't mean it will happen but you can it's the easiest way to go into a setting that is organized by other folks and see if you can meet other people that you connect with. And they have mechanisms to get people to kind of break the ice and start talking. And that is probably one of the best parts of it 
is that it is geared for segmenting people into small groups, have them start talking and working through things. And ultimately, you can leave. You are not forced by any rules or law to stay for the entire thing if it isn't working out for you. And I, ha- I ha- like I said, I haven't been to a hackathon. Maybe I went to a couple and they were so loosely organized that it was easy to sit in the corner. And I'm like, well, this doesn't really work um, because I was not coming with an idea. And so I ended up not staying. But some of them are organized very well to combat the issue of people not getting involved. And it's worth a look for people right. to, try, to try them out. Um, the other the, the other in-person mechanism, which is more costly and is topic-based, is classes and continuing education. Um, and I think that it goes to everyone I know that has ever gotten an MBA, a Master's of Business Administration degree at a big, expensive college, have routinely said to me the same thing. It's not so much about what they teach you. It's about this amazing network of ambitious people that I am attached to now. And I personally think that the trade-off of spending that much money and time is not what I would deem worthwhile. But it depends on what you where the circles you want to work in. And if you are looking at a career at a bigger company level at, and you want to move up the ladder in a company, then an MBA is an amazing network that you can get through to both get some skills, additional skills, get a degree, so additional certification, and and a network of other people that can again help you bring, like raise yourself up the ladder in the career you want. On the other side, going to a class classroom of any setting of any kind is another group of like-minded people around a certain topic that you can meet and network and and get to know. And so my students from my boot camp, they still chat with each other. They're all connected on social media. They still, small pockets of them are still teams after working on projects together. They would not have necessarily ever met and worked together in the past had they not been in a classroom scenario that put them in that situation frequently. So if there's a topic you want to learn and it is, you can, you know, pay the cost and do the time for it. It is a great way to network is to be part of another classroom beyond your prescribed schooling that you got before. Well, let me, let me take each of those. And then I I have a third one to add. Um, So MBA, I have one. Um, I went Mm -hmm. to an executive program where we spent a year on weekends um, at University of Florida going to the classes and then meeting um, meeting in the off time uh, to do group projects. Um, I would not have done it if IBM weren't paying for a portion of it. Sure. Um, so if your company offers the opportunity for continuing education of that sort, I would encourage you to take at least look at it. Um, I would also caution you to make sure that you understand that it's likely the company won't be covering all expenses. 
Um, so you're going to end up taking some of it out of your own pocket. Um, the classes themselves were fine. Um, I learned some stuff, especially in the, um, in the marketing classes where we talked about surveys and, and, and how to, how to properly, uh, um, create a survey, uh, to, to gather the information the way you want it, not, not, not to drive the answers you want, but to gather the information that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, that was, that was really interesting. Um, but I won't say that the value was in the education. I will, I will go so far as to say my introverted self even kept the networking down. I only, I only really keep in touch with the, the small work group that, that I was with. And even that has dissipated over the years. Um, what it did give me, and it was worth the money to give me this, was the letters behind my name. Um, yeah. And that opened doors for me um, that I may not have been able to take advantage of if I didn't have that. Um, I don't know that it's worth spending your own money, all of your own money to do it. Um, if you have the capability, maybe, and maybe not an MBA, but a master's of some other sort um, or, or some other degree. Um, but it's, it's something to consider. Um, classes, absolutely. Uh, that is a way to network in-person classes. I'll go a step further. You said these are uh, um, in-person options. Classes are actually a great uh, off online option too. Yeah. Um, because the way classes are organized nowadays is here's the class, take the class. Here's a Slack group to discuss the stuff in the class. Um, and it can be on any topic. There are plenty of, um, colleges that offer online courses for free. I I've taken plenty of, uh, data analysis courses for free from colleges. Um, and in those times there were forums, they probably moved on to a Slack type uh, setting now um, in those courses. Um, some of the West Boss courses I take, you, you take a West Boss course, you get access to that uh, yeah. Slack channel to talk about that sort of stuff. So it's also a good online option as well. Yep. So that that's a good segue. We So I wanted to switch from the offline, which always is hard for people to do. Like the number of people that I talk to about networking that kind of look at the floor immediately when I bring it up is lots. It, like it is not comfortable for everyone to want to go out and co-mingle. I don't know what it says about our society now versus the past or anything like that. I just know that when I talk to people about it, they tend to get shy about it. And I can't say that I blame them, but it's also just a trend I see. But you have to for you you have to push yourself. Now the way to to push yourself, I think, is to network in the in the easiest way you can. And offline tends to be easier because you have a little bit you can be anonymous. You don't have to go out of your house or of your own setting of choice. And so there's a number of mechanisms there. So I'm going to just run through the first ones that I um, have, and then we can kind of break them down. 
Slack groups are a big thing that's changed in the last year or two. There are lots of subject-based public Slack groups that put people together. The old versions of these used to be message boards, IRC, Reddit, um, chat rooms. They are always people knock on them because it, being anonymous can provide also negative um, side effects to the people part of them. People are can tend to be bullies more um, or offensive in those groups. But the truth is there's a lot of people that kind of band together and talk because this is their form of outreach. And you are often able to get, I mean, I'm a part of so many Slack groups that I am, I can sign into them, but I don't. And some of them I find way more valuable than others, but that it like these online communities remain a very strong way to get to know people that then can lead to the offline. Cause I know people from certain groups in Chicago that if I met them in public, I'd be like, Oh yeah, we, you and I chatted about such and such. And all of a sudden we have this whole back like log of communication that we had related to something in our field because we talked online about it first. And I think that people should like, if you say I'm in a small town and I can't meet up with some, like I can't meet these groups. You know what? I don't know how many groups have people that have moved away and they're still part of a regional network. Um, so Twitter is another one. Twitter is, it can be a mess, but it also has a community of people talking about things and you don't have to have, you don't always have to yell at people. You don't always have to say things, talk about politics. You can talk about things that matter to you. And they, by doubling the amount of characters, you can say a lot more in a tweet. And at the right. worst, at the worst, you can direct message people and then take it offline to a more, to a better mechanism for communicating. Facebook groups, I always find those to be less valuable, but Honestly, I know people that are part of Facebook groups that are strong and they're like, oh, yeah, that Facebook group has a lot of great people in it and we can, you know, communicate there and we feel fairly safe because we can filter people out that don't belong. And so that's another if you find Facebook groups that are around the topic or community you want to be a part of, I would look for that, too. I don't know if you have any specific um online groups that you would also find valuable. Besides the, the, the groups you mentioned, I wouldn't think so. Um, it, you, you pretty much hit on it. Slack groups are, are really the big ones nowadays. Um, forums. There yeah. are forums that are still active depending on, on your, your um, choice of subject. Uh, but yeah, it's moved on more to real time chat now. Although there is a little bit of Slack pushback now, and and we're we're going to get into the synchronous asynchronous discussion again. Yeah. Um, but that that's that's uh, for another time. Now there's um, a. I will say that in Chicago, we have a group um, run by someone like by a guy named Griffin Caprio called Chicago CTO Forum. And that group is both has a strong Slack network 
Now, I say strong. I mean, people post questions about what they are doing as CTOs, and they typically will get four or five real-life scenarios that other people in the city or a part that are a part of this group have gone through. And I'd say four or five responses doesn't seem like a lot, but when you are faced with a business problem that you've never dealt with, four or five people telling you just that, tried it, we winged it, we didn't know what we were doing, we figured it out, is very, very powerful for someone trying to learn how to be a, a manager or a better CTO. Um, it's helpful to know like, oh wait, you're not alone trying to wing this issue. The other, sure. si- the other side is when people say, someone says, oh, we're looking at using this consultancy. Does anyone have any experience? And someone goes, yeah, we had some issues. Let's talk about it by- on the side. That helps me on the one thing is I'm now like, okay, I should be skeptical if I ever need this company. And I can reach out to this person in the future because they are willing to talk privately not like they don't want to bash the company necessarily, but they want to give some caveats that, you know, you should consider some issues that we dealt with. You're not going to get that kind of network um, power from many other mechanisms. And so the CTO forum meets in person once a month, which I used to be a much more regular um, member of. And it also meets in an offline forum. It does both. And I can't think of any time that I've like, we've had people that are on the fringe, like, Hey, I'm in Indianapolis or I'm in Milwaukee and I don't have a group, but I kind of asked to be a part. If you're pretty close to being a value to the subject matter of the purpose, I think you could probably be a part of it. And so I know Chicago um, all the major cities have some CTO forum that's along this line. I actually, the network I'm a part of in Chicago connected with New York and some other like San Francisco and some others. And they kind of have an open door policy of if you're a member of one group, you can attend meetings of these others. And if you wanted to be part of their Slack, I, I doubt they would boot you out just because as long as you weren't going in there to promote yourself or something. So I really do think that people should look into their local, they should find out if there's a local technology or local management or CTO group related to their city that has an online forum of some kind. And I think at one time we had a Google group that's technically still active and we still sometimes see people post questions to that mailing list of sorts. And it doesn't really matter. Like people are happy to communicate when they can, in in whatever forum is provided. Um, so that I don't know about Orlando for a CTO group or Miami or any other city in Florida, but that's what we have in Chicago, which I've found to be of high high value to be a part of up here. Yeah, I actually don't think I've seen one. Um, I, I've certainly uh, poked around. Doesn't mean there hasn't been one from time to time. Um, but it doesn't seem to be a, as much a thing that I'm aware of. Um, yeah. And that's that's actually probably a pretty poor answer um, that I need to go double check before we uh, we release this episode. And <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes if, uh, if I'm wrong. 
Well, the before we give it call it a day on this discussion, the uh, there are and this came out mainly of the Chad Fowler tweet um, thread. There are a number of businesses or membership groups or whatever you want to call it networks that are geared towards helping people move up in tech leadership and. They sometimes these are these used to be groups are mainly are geared around enterprise type work. And I think they are now they are kind of agnostic to or they don't care about the size of the role or the company. They're trying to teach more management skills and leadership skills for people that are moving into technology because their job market has expanded that space so much. So they mentioned one called CTO Summit. Um, we can put the link in the show notes for that. And again, I can't vouch for these as I did not attend them, but these are what came out of the Chad Fowler email or tweet. Then another one is called Seven CTOs. It's a membership group. They have chapter meetings. They have field trips. They, I'm sure they have some kind of online um, related kind of communication. There's another one called Plato, which is a French startup geared for mentoring and teaching of technology leadership. And then there's another set of conferences called the Lead Developer. Um, those are all, you know, they're geared around, I think, memberships that make money around the idea of teaching. But I'm not going to say that they don't have value. If, if, the, if you can spend money to speed up your network growth and to get the benefits of a network, it is worth the consideration to do so. Um, I probably would have done more of that if there were more of these outlets available when I was learning the ropes. But if you're at the beginning, I just I can see that it could be the best way to do is find people in the groups and ask them how much they've gotten out of it. That's the the probably the strongest thing you can do. Don't talk to the recruiters right. for it because they're going to obviously tell you everything's rosy. But I would see if you can find out members that can vouch for the value of some of these groups. Um, I think that covers it for now. I mean, to me, the the other the one last thing I'll part with that worked for me when I did a lot more networking was I would reserve like two to three days out of a week in the evenings to network because energy level like you're not going to knock out four or five days if you're an introvert. You're it's just your energy level. I find it impossible. So what I recommend is that people find maybe one, start out with one meetup a week or every two weeks and say, that's my meetup for the next two weeks. Go to it, get you know used to going, get into a routine so that you're going to 12 a year and then see if it works for you. See if that, if you connect with that method of meeting people and Reserve maybe an hour. Like the problem with for me with online groups is that I actually don't commit to them very well. Like I just kind of casually browse and and linger on the sideline. But what if you actually took an hour of a, an online group you're a part of and actually answered questions, talked to people, and made that a part of you? And if you are finally saying, "I'm in a small town, I can't get there. Proximity is a barrier," or "I just don't want to go out." or the weather sucks, or whatever the excuse is, okay, say that you're going to sit down and you're on your couch with your laptop 
and partake in a online network and get to meet people and in, like introduce yourself, say hello, answer people's questions and or pose some of your own and actually carve the time out to network online in those groups and see if you don't find yourself becoming a better part of that community. I've, I really feel like you will if you take that time and, and you're not just on the sidelines kind of reading what people post and you never partake. So that's what I'm, those are my two biggest, what I'll leave for folks that are trying to start to expand their network. Yeah, no, I think that's really, really solid advice. And I, I don't think, <coughs> I think the only thing I'll add is something I said earlier is one of the easiest ways to trick yourself into doing anything like that is to volunteer mm -hmm. um, because then you're going to feel it because uh, even today there are meetups I will sign up for that I don't go to because I'm like, eh, I, I don't know anyone. I, I, yeah. and, and just, I talk myself out of it. If you volunteer, now somebody's relying on you. So now you're going to go. Um, so that's one way to trick yourself into, into trying it. And my story from volunteering was I went to a conference a long time ago. And, my, and it was a small city. It was a very small like meetup conference. I would say it was like a weekend on a Saturday. And I volunteered with them. And I got stuck with the create these goodie bags. And all the goodie bags had like cr complete crap, like nothing of value in the bags. But I met an, the, the other person they stuck me with, so to speak, was was a woman that we started making fun of how bad we how bad of people we were for making people like take this trash home with them. And <laughs> almost a decade later, that person hired me to work on a project. And nice. And so, you know, it was just how we met. That was all it was. It, you know, we definitely had other interactions since then that made her reach out to me to get hired. But I remember thinking like, oh, when I really dig into how we met, that was how I was introduced to this person. So the volunteering doesn't have to be for a cush spot on the circuit of volunteer jobs. It's just about breaking down the walls and nervousness you have and getting involved. And honestly, I've volunteered some time and I'm like, this was a, this is a waste of time. But honestly, I just don't ever get that kind of negative fee feeling after I've done it. It's usually of, um, oh, this wasn't a great conference. And then other times I'm like, wow, I got a lot out of this. So I just feel like, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's forcing you to get involved and it's a small time commitment that you should feel like, okay, it's worth it to give it a shot. So, right. right. All right. We'll call it a day. Um, and I guess we can talk next week. Sounds good. See you soon. Later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach. 
licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.